This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news in a minute. Marco is taking the week off, but we'll get stuck into it all nonetheless. And what a week we have ahead for football in this country. With the opening round of the A-League kicking off next Friday night, bookended by the critical World Cup qualifying tie against Syria. Not forgetting, of course, an entree tomorrow afternoon with the Brisbane Strikers hosting Heidelberg United in the National Premier League's Grand Final. And we've got it all covered here tonight on Box to Box. First up, Socceroos assistant coach Ante Milicic will help us preview the national side's date with destiny. Then we'll chat to the voice of football in Australia, Fox Sports, Simon Hill, to preview the A-League season ahead. And of course, we'll wrap up the first hour, as we all do, with our man Dean Hennessy. And we're going to make some long-range predictions for the A-League together. So there's going to be a few shots in the dark, uh, a few darts thrown at the bullseye of the uh, of the big board in the second hour of course we'll kick off with second edition news then we'll preview the NPL's grand final with Brisbane Strikers coach Owen Baker and Dino's going to be back to look at the international scene a big week it's been in Champions League football before we wrap it up with stoppage time Edge it's finally here A-League is here yeah absolutely nearly here but um I'll tell you what, there's plenty of news around this week. Obviously, um, uh, Ange Postacoglu announcing the squad uh, that will take on uh, the home and away leg against Syria uh, in Malacca in Malaysia, then back into Sydney. Five changes from the 23 people that uh, that uh, went to the, the, the matches with Japan and Thailand of recent times. That's very exciting. Uh, A-League starts next week, obviously, and that's fantastic. And we've got Dino, who's joining us for the opening news segment because our Esteemed colleague Mark Van Aken is a little bit under the weather. <coughs> cough, cough. And uh, we hope to have him back next week. But, uh, Dino, welcome to Box to Box and uh, Thanks, all the listeners right around Australia this afternoon. Yeah, no, it's, uh, as you said in the uh, opening uh, there, with regards to how much information is available to us with regards to stories. I mean, you only have to just turn your phone on and then there's a story happening right now in the game. <coughs> so we're never, ever stuck for material. Uh, but the um, the squad's interesting, and you point out the five changes. Obviously, the the, the players into the squad: Aziz Beich, Craig Goodwin, Nikita Rukovitsa, Matthew German, and Josh Risden. The the bolter for me is uh, Maccabee Haifa's Nikita Nikita Rukovitsa, who yeah. has really disappeared from national team. Um, but it's when, when, when a guy of, like that gets picked. Does that mean he then has to play? I mean, do you put do you pick a bolter and then not give him a run? Well, he's been in form. What's interesting, he, he was... I mean, Dean spoke about him last week, and Dean, Dean spent some time with him and mm. quite likes him as a player. And, and obviously, I, I had a, a lot to do with Pim Verbeek. And I remember when Pim brought him into the team, mm. a lot of people were surprised. It was when he was playing at Perth. And he, he does have elite speed, and Dean would attest to that. He certainly does. And he's been scoring um, in a league that you would have question marks over the quality of the league. But uh, it seems to me that uh, he, he's a strike weapon... Uh, that Andrews brought in on the basis that if we need goals, he's there as an option. I think that's what it would be. Yeah, look, I'd agree. Can't seem starting in the first No, game. no, maybe not. But I, I think it's uh, it's, a, it's a good addition. It gives you that pace as well as uh, if required and if needed. And I think the other one that most probably sticks out for me is Aziz Beich. Well, he's got to play. I was, I, he's been stiff for me not yeah, being in many yeah. squads, to be honest. I thought he but... was good at the Confederations Cup when he got an opportunity. I thought, he, I thought it was a mistake uh, mm. not to take him to Japan and play uh, against uh, against Thailand. 
Um, so he's back. And the other one that fans have been screaming for, and he's been in awesome form, has been Craig Goodwin. Yeah, well, we all know Craig's story. He's been been brilliant from the day he started, really. So those two plays are great for me. I think Josh Risden's a good story. I mean, Ange has given him a go previously. But I can't wait to talk to Ante Milicic about that. Mm. But there is another big story that's been in the papers all day today, and that is obviously the news that um, the FFA and the clubs have have broken down. And uh, Stephen Lowy's self-imposed deadline of today, Rob, Mm. looks like not being met. And everybody who's anybody in the game, is now predicting FIFA intervention. So that is um, big news. It's dominated uh, so our normalisation committee we heard about. That's right. So what um, is, you, you know FIFA well, Dino. You certainly know it better than I do. Um, how normal is a normalisation committee? Well, we just don't know. I think, I think you, it's one of those... Uh, there's a lot of people on the sidelines cheering for um, Stephen Lowy's head to be uh, mm. uh, ceremoniously removed. Some big names in the game. And there was a, a couple of things happened this week that, that I was a little bit shocked about. One was the breaking news story that uh, the, that the Women's World Cup bid was at, was in jeopardy and that the, the Australian government through the Sports Commission had uh, effectively put the FFA on notice about the $4 million that they're keeping aside for that bid um, on the basis that they wanted the governance issues sorted out and... Uh, that was big news, and that was uh, news that was right around the world. So that led uh, led to then the next day, effectively, uh, Stephen Lowy announcing that Friday was going to be the day that they needed needed to needed to get everything sorted out by, which is today. Um, and it appears it hasn't at this point in time been sorted out. Um, I mean, not all hope is lost, I would assume, but a lot of very good analysts in the game um, and journalists are predicting that uh, the Normalising Committee will be put in place by FIFA, which is a, a process to basically remove the old board and, and set up a process for a new board and probably new articles of association and uh, voting structures. But I mean, for me, it's hard to have an opinion because it's one of those items that you just don't know what you don't know. We don't know who FIFA is going to pick on this normalisation committee. We don't. We know that FIFA traditionally has has um, stayed uh, clear of government interference in local federations or football federations. They've really frowned upon that. Australia's uh, federation has always been very close to government. It's received a lot of funding. And from there's government. one thing for sure is that, that FIFA don't like it when governments get involved because uh, uh, they, yeah, uh, they, they've, 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 they've sanctioned um, countries well, it, well, it, many it, times over the journey when they do. Yeah, it does appear that uh, the government has been hands off while Stephen Lowy's been in the chair um, compared to previous previous iterations so it's a big story we can't get away from it and and there's going to be more to it but Dino um, I'm going to ask you now with your um, Australian Association Football Clubs hat on um, um, and you might uh, you may elect to not answer this question but I'm going to ask you anyway um, for the future of a second division um, would it be better that the normalisation committee was acted upon and, and became a reality here in Australia or would it be better to have the existing uh, FFA structure? I think that's always hard to answer when it's only just fresh. Um, <clears throat> but obviously, we always knew there was going down two paths. It was either one, it was going to continue under the normal guys, or this normalisation be brought in. Either way, we're not going to back down from what we want as uh, the AFC 
to to get the game into the position where FIFA and AFC want it. I mean, that's the mandate, you know. We know which the, is the second division, second division, second tier. Call it what you like. Promotion and relegation, and you know, there's a lot of time and effort already gone in, but there'll be a lot more time and effort to go in now because, irrespective of which way it would have swung, we would never have changed the direction we were going in. So, does it help? Maybe. Don't know. Um, most probably not qualified enough to yeah. tell you that it does or it doesn't. Well, lots to play out, and uh, you know, we'll we'll be talking about this issue next yeah. week. There's no yeah. doubt about it. It will continue, but that's the news. And Ray Gat last the Thursday night uh, last night, Ray Gatt was the one who on Twitter that was pretty forthright saying that the normalisation normalisation committee was now pretty much a fait complete. Anyway, let's move on to uh, some A League news and Brisbane Raw winger Brett Holman. He's confident of winning a race against time to be fit for round one. The 33-year-old former Socceroos sustained a calf injury in Brisbane's 3-1 friendly loss to Melbourne Victory in Ballarat some three weeks ago. Former Socceroo Holman told Fox Sports he felt his condition was improving. I'd love to see Brett Holman back. He's a he's a he's a good-looking player. He was one of the the the, the few highlights of that uh, World Cup in South Africa, wasn't he? Was he was brilliant. No, South brilliant. Africa. We yeah. played well when we yeah. watched him, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. 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 He was good. Look, and he's been a very very good player over a period of time. We just um, Australians lost Brett Holman because he actually elected to withdraw for him yeah. from the Socceroos. Um, so I actually think had if he been available for selection, Ange might have included him yeah. in the Brazil World Cup. But um, it wasn't to be. And we, we lost a, a lot of the best of Brett Holman to the Middle East mm-hmm. when he was playing in Qatar in the United Arab Emirates. And we um, we actually lost um, uh, the best best time when he was playing. I mean, from a vision. We don't, we don't get a lot of vision of him, but, but he's back in the A-League. He can make it a big impact. Let's hope he goes. Okay. And the dates and timings for the FFA Cup semifinals have been revealed. South Melbourne Hellas will host Sydney FC at Lakeside Stadium on October 11. While Adelaide United will visit Western Sydney Wanderers at Campbelltown Stadium on October 24, they're the two games that will uh, result in the victory, uh, result in the FFA Cup do you know, finalists. Do you give um, South Melbourne any hope against the might of Sydney? I don't. So? Look, I, I, I think it's very difficult. I've spoke to CT, as we had on the show. He's actually away in uh, Bali, I think. So he's the, so I don't think he returns until this weekend because they've, they've, they've got their process in place for how they're going to get fit for this game. I think the big talking point out of this whole thing is that Sydney are red hot favourites they're the best team going around in the country South Melbourne need a really really big um, a really big crowd sellout would be great if they've got any ambitions for that B League A League like Chris Taylor said on the show if they can't sell out against Sydney FC in a semi that's it if you get that then all of a sudden Mm. who knows what's available next so if you follow Hellas get along if you want them uh, to mount a case a big big case uh, I'm looking forward to it yeah Yeah, me too now the uh, Matildas have become coach killers each they have and uh, who would have thought uh, after three straight losses to the Matildas Mm -hmm. uh, that news for Brazil anyway has uh, reverberated right through South America and Brazil's first ever female coach, Emily Lima. She's removed from her post just less than a year after she took over, and she's been replaced by Oswaldo Alvarez, who took over. Obviously, they didn't take lightly to that uh, wonderful uh, volley from Lisa Devanna and those two magnificent headers from Samantha Kerr. And the backflip probably was the thing that did it, I thought. <laughs> and the classy way that the uh, the players walked off the pitch, even though you don't agree, anyone who listened last week, um, it oh, thinks that it's perfectly on. acceptable for an international side to walk off the pitch and not shake hands. Just uh, but normal, <laughs> not, not right-thinking people don't, do they, Dan? No, you, you, look, you're always disappointed, but you always shake hands. <laughs> Good on you, Edge. Okay, stick around. There's a bunch more news in, uh, in second, the second hour. Yeah, yeah, second hour. But we've got Ante Milicic. He's always... 
fulsome in his honesty. He tells us uh, what's going to happen, and he was right last time we talked to him before that Japan game. Sadly, uh, the the method that uh, our uh, mob employed over there wasn't successful. Hopefully, it will be against Syria this time. So, after the break, assistant coach of the Socceroos, Ante Milicic. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News, TalkSport, on digital streaming, on the web across the world, and of course, our podcast on box to box nts.com.au, where you can listen to all previous 97 episodes of this program. Now, last time we talked to Ante Milicic, it was ahead of the Japan tie. And things didn't quite work out the way we hoped they would in that week of football. This time, it's the do-or-die clash against Syria. He's in Zagreb. He's going to uh, start packing his bags as soon as we get off the phone. Thanks for joining us tonight, Ante. Not a problem, and that's a very nice introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, mate. But uh, look, you know, we're all on the edge of the seats, just like you are. uh, It's still a die time now, isn't it, mate? Yeah, of course, and um, you know we're we're in this uh, situation now, and um, you know it's probably not what we expected, but um, at the same time, you know we're we're looking forward to it, and, and we're embracing it. We've still got a you know very good chance to to get to Russia, and um, you know we're confident now, uh, as as we always are in in the games coming up. So we'll first focus on um, you know on this uh, opponent uh, Syria, and um, you know confident that we can. You know, do the job, and then um, you know, look forward to the to the next step after that in November. We know that uh, Japan was always going to be our hardest road trip. They are a fine team at home, and uh, we all know, understand the result. But then when we played Thailand, aren't they? Have you seen? I, I, I've watched a lot of football, but um, we could have scored 15 goals. I mean, it was just one of those games, wasn't it? That uh, it just didn't want to go in. And there's a thousand cliches that I that I heard after that game in the next um, few days after it. But you know, credit to the boys because if, if you just look at the Thailand game, we, we we really played well and we dominated and we created enough chances to to score enough goals to you know in the end the way the the, the other results went to to probably go through on goal difference. Um, but uh, you know, it wasn't to be on the night, and uh, you kind of had the feeling early on when we. Uh, you know, had had a couple of shots that just went wide. We hit the post on a few occasions as well, and then we went in on the break. Um, zero zero, probably not ideal as yeah. well. So unfortunate that um, you know, we didn't execute as well as we could have on the night. But in terms of the way we played and the amount of chances, and that were genuine clear cut chances they as were. well. I mean, we, we created a lot, and uh, you know, even looking back over it, just uh, that's just general play. But also in set pieces, we came very close on numerous occasions. But. Uh, wasn't to be, and now we find ourselves in a situation where we've got, um, you know, hopefully four good, um, you know, quality games coming up. Absolutely. Obviously, let's talk about Syria home and away. The first question for me before we ask you about some of the squad selections is, obviously, we're in a home and away away goals rule uh, rule uh, scenario now, which is different, obviously, to a uh, the, the table scenario that we faced in the last games. Mm. Um, does that change the approach to the game in any way that it's a home and away league? No. Not so much, but look, we're comfortable that we know that um, you know we've got to play an, an opponent twice in a short space of time. And a lot of times we play these teams, it's just a one-off game and they get built up for it. And we know the way that uh, you know our boys can recover and play two games in a window as well. When we combine our um, you know medical staff and sports science, we're very um, 
very confident in terms of our own fitness um, levels and also I think we're used to the travelling and backing up, you know, and looking at the condition the boys are in, I think that that's going to be a huge plus. And, and of course, not to underestimate what it means to play at home for that second leg. So you're right, it's, it's a different scenario too because if I look at the table from the from the group that just... Yeah, they only got 13 points, didn't they? Yeah, they got 13 points. Well, we, we with Syria, you know, we um we beat them at home and we drew at their place. So, you know, they lost three games, we lost one, but in the end, they went through. So there's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but it is what it is. And um, we know we've got two um two games against Syria and, you know, we, we as always, we, we back ourselves. So in terms of changing the approach, you know, we pretty much play... um We play the same away from home as we do at home anyway. We do. So doesn't really differ. We'll, we'll go out there and again, we, we want to attack, we want to play in the half, we want to dominate possession and uh, do all those things and it's just up to us on the you know, on the night, you know, starting first in, in, in Malaysia, in, in Malacca, to, to get a positive result. And, and we always go out to do that, whether we do play at home or away or at a neutral venue. So you've answered uh, my next question already, Ante. So for those of our <laughs> listeners who are out there wondering whether we're going to go and park the bus to get a point, um, uh, the answer is no. Uh, we won't be doing that. Uh, no. So um, so we go out there uh, and we, we try to get the victory and, and make it a little bit easier at home. But uh, look, I want to ask you about Syria. So we're talking to a soccer's assistant coach. Jante Milicic, he's in Zagreb right now, heading over to Australia shortly uh, before, uh, I should say, Malaysia, before uh, the, the home tie. Uh, what do we know about Syria? There seems to be a lot of emotion, a lot of international attention around Syria. Uh, we've seen these stories from uh, countries that are war-torn countries um, over over the years, uh, Iraq being the, you know, the perfect case in point where there's just an intangible X factor that you can't, uh, you can't put your finger on uh, with them. Um, so, you know, how would you describe uh, our knowledge of, of, first of all, the team and, and and how we prep our players for, you know, that emotion-charged uh, uh, approach that they're inevitably going to take. Yeah, and, and I'm and I'm glad that in that um, in that question that you did mention Iraq because I actually see a lot of similarities between mm. Syria and in, in, in Iraq also, you know, the way that they um you know have to play their games in neutral venue as well and what their countries have um, have to overcome and, and also their players and a lot's been said about um. You know the situation back in in Syria and as well with the players, what what it takes for them just to get together to play mm. for their national team. But um, in a very difficult uh, situation. But what we do know is um, and as a footballing team, you know they're they're a good side. Um, you know they play obviously with a with a lot of emotion, with a lot of courage. Um, you know the the games that we've obviously started, and um, you know they they play very much on the on the counter attack. They've got um, you know a quite a good. Uh, Front four, you could say they played their football abroad, um, you know, in Saudi Arabia and in Qatar. So uh, they've got some very good individual players. But when they come together as a national team, you, you see that they're very passionate. It means a lot for them, and uh, you know they've put themselves in a situation where they can, um, you know, try to achieve the the impossible. So it's actually been a great story for for Syria. But um, in terms of the way we prep our, you know, players. Uh, the most important thing always comes back to us where we always concentrate on the way we'll play. They'll be given information about the opponents and at the same time any additional individual opponent um, that might come against them during the game, that's available for the boys to, to take that kind of knowledge in. So um, you know, in terms of preparation, we'll go about things uh, the way we always do and um, you know, be, be assured that the players will, will know all the information about Syria that they need to. Ante, um, a lot of focus on the five players that are coming into the squad um, for, for this, uh, these two games that weren't involved with the Japan and Thailand games. Uh, in particular, obviously, uh, you're in Europe, so I assume you would have 
uh, made the journey to see some of these guys play. But uh, Aziz Bach and Craig Goodwin are two names in particular that have been in uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the fans have been talking about them, and a lot of um, analysts have been um, saying that uh, Aziz, Aziz in particular could have been maybe been in the squad uh, for Japan and Thailand, and Craig that has been knocking on the door for a while. But what can you tell us about the form that Aziz and Craig are in uh, leading into these two games? Yeah, yeah. You know, Aziz was with us obviously in in, in the Confederates Cup, and and Ange as, as well, and and, and Pete Klamoski and yours. We we monitor these players quite closely, but um, actually seen um Aziz played a big game at home last week to Galatasaray, and and he's doing well. He's he's consistently playing for his club team. They're doing quite well. Bursaspor they're in eighth. They had that big game last week against Galatasaray, which unfortunately they lost. But you know, such a big game in a big stadium with the full full crowd behind him and, and he's doing really well and the most important thing is not only that he's doing well but he's a consistent starter so he's got the match minutes under his belt as well so he's looking very fit. Uh, Goodwin's team struggling a little bit but individually he's been playing um, you know, quite often and they also play with uh, three at the back as well so he's um, he's doing well in terms of match minutes and his own individual performance although his team is, is struggling a little bit in the in the ladder and then you've got other players as well like Lukovica who, who Ange has brought in and you know he's sturdy now he's playing at a big club there in Israel and he's, he's doing well and, and the way we play I think sort of suits Nikita with all the forward runs and the natural speed that he does have and I think it's worth mentioning, mentioning as well. Matt, Matt German in um, in Korea has been playing as a left centre back, uh, naturally left footed, of course, as we know in in a back three also. But uh, you know his team's doing really well in in the Korean league, and and he starts every week. So um, you know it's it's important for for these players to be playing regularly, and and they have been. And so I think uh, you know Ange as always has pulled together an exciting um, 23 names. Sure has, Ante. Well, look, uh, mate, you, you're always generous with your time with us, Ante. Um, we know uh, it's, a, it's a massive week and a half ahead. Um, we're all in your corner with the boys. Uh, I know there's some talk at times, and we hear, you know, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a sense of a siege mentality uh, from from some of the players. Uh, um, and 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 you know, to be honest, um, has uh, has been a bit feisty in press conferences of recent times. But the one thing that uh, I think uh, that we want to get across is that uh, everyone is in the corner of uh, of this team. We we want the team to do well. We believe in getting plenty of frequent flyers, aren't uh, they? Yeah, we want uh, <laughs> to be in Russia. We, we're doing uh, it the hard I mean, way. Look, yeah. looking, I've never been to Panama. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Either have I. <laughs> Come to think of it, all, all, all Honduras yeah. comes that way. But, um, you know, I, I thought after going to Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan... And That's right, you've done it all. Sort of added, <laughs> you've done it all. So, um, you know, it, it's exciting because, you know, these, these kind is, of yeah. teams, you don't, you don't know too many of their players. And, and then when you start digging in and doing the research, oh, you know, he's got plays here or they do that. And it's quite yeah. interesting in that part of the world. And then you always find someone that's been there or played there or knows someone there. And mm. you sort of like, you put it all together. But look, I think with, look, with the A-League's, starting in a couple of weeks and the Matildas have done fantastically mm-hmm. well over the last month as well. It was good to see how Joey's do 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 yep. good now in, in Mongolia as well. And I think, you know, as 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 a whole the the sport really needs to be together and I know um and everyone knows how big it means for Australia to qualify for a fourth success uh, consecutive uh 
World Cup. So we, we all need to, um, you know, be together because it's in the best interest for the game. But, um, yeah. you know, as, as I said last month, uh, and, and I'll say it again, I'm, I'm very confident that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there. It's just that we're just going the, the longer way, you could say. And hopefully, the the moment, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll be uh, absolutely cherry ripe by the time we get to Russia after a couple of uh, pretty tricky ties. Thank you, Ante. We'll talk to you again soon, mate. Yeah. Not a problem. Thanks, Chance. All Sa- the best. Safe travels. Stick around after Thank the break. You, we're going to start chatting A-League with Simon Hill and uh, and we're going to get his views on this uh, coming season ahead um, and uh, and just how it's all going to play out. So stick around. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. And while it's going to be bookended by the Socceroos v Syria, we have been hanging out in the world's longest off-season for the A-League, and it's finally coming up in one week's time. And there's only one bloke in this country to talk to about it, and that is the voice of football in Australia, Fox Sports, Simon Hill. Welcome back to the show, Simon. Good to be with you. How are you? Mate, we're good. We're all the better for um, getting the real football started. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we think that. Uh, obviously, some, some of the people might not, but uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's been a long break between drinks. Um, thankfully, we've had some internationals and the FFA Cup to keep us busy in the mm. Premier League and everything else, but yeah. uh, there's nothing like having the A-League back. It's great. No, no, there's not. <clears throat> and uh, in years to come, when, when it expands and the, the off-season is shorter and uh, we don't have to wait as long, I guess we won't complain as much. But as you say, it's great to have it back uh, yeah, when, whenever that happens. But uh, anyway, that's probably a discussion for another day. It is. But look, we've had a, we've had an off season full of drama, off field shenanigans with A League, and it continues. And we've talked about that off the top of the hour, Simon. But but what are you looking for? What, what's the one thing that you were looking forward to in this A League season? Well, personally speaking, just being back at a football stadium, watching you know local professional competition again. Um, that, that's what I enjoy. It's my job. It's more than that for me. It's my hobby, it's who I am really. Mm. Um, you know, I live for football and I always think that, you know, when the clock ticks around to August and the European seasons get underway, you get that little taste of it and you think, oh, great, you know, mm. football's back. And, and then unfortunately, this part of the world, we have to wait, you know, the best part of another two months before uh, we, we get our local fix. So I think, you know, most football fans uh, are the same. You're, you're absolutely starving for it when it comes around. So uh, that's the thing for me, just to, just to be back in a football ground again. I mean, you know, that's my uh, that's my church. That's my religion. It's mm. it's where I go and worship once a week. And, uh, you know, that, that's how much I love it. So, love yeah, it. just being back amongst the football experience for me. Yeah, I think you're uh, you're describing the passion that, um, that our listeners um, can really uh, dovetail into there, Simon, that's for sure. Uh, one thing that I've got a sense of ahead of this season you know well over a decade down the track is that um that there's a a bigger picture at play here with the a-league that um that with aaron moy doing so well coming out of the a-league uh, with uh, with huddersfield with um with more european players quality players coming through um and 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 bulking up the the, the you know the talent roster on on many clubs uh it, it seems like a, the standard this season is, is going to be the best yet well, obviously, we hope that's the case. Um, the A-League has, has risen in standard most years since it started back in 2005. It's evolved, uh, certainly in a tactical sense, uh, hopefully in a technical sense as well. Uh, and in terms of you know the way the competition is, is presented, the way it's received by the mainstream public, uh, obviously, we've still got a long way to go. And, you know, it's strange when you go overseas. The, the A-League has quite a, uh, a brand awareness in, in other parts of the world. People know about it. Mm. Um, and in some respects, we're, we're guilty in Australia, not us as football fans, but the mainstream, 
um, of, uh, you know, downplaying how good the A-League is. Now, I'm not saying it's the Premier League or La Liga. Of course it's not. But, you know, it's a good standard. Uh, the clutch of foreign players that are coming on board this season, by and large, look to be good investments. Um, it's tricky for our clubs to get marquee players these days because of the money on offer in China and America in particular. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not going to get some surprises. And, you know, in a way, when you, you see the names on the lists of, the, of the, the various clubs, you look at them and go, well, I don't know anything about him. So the big question is, you know, is he going to turn out to be a Thomas Broich or is he going to turn out to be a Mario Jardel? <laughs> you, you, you never quite know. But that's what makes it a, a nice surprise every October. All of a sudden, you'll see a player that you've never heard of before. Like we did with Adrian Mizajewski, mm, you know, the new mm. Polish player for Sydney FC. All of a sudden, you go, wow, he looks pretty good. Um, so there are nice surprises, and obviously there'll be some disappointments as well. That's the nature of professional sport. But uh, I, th- I think it's one of the reasons that makes the A-League such an interesting competition. It certainly does. I'm personally looking forward to the next Jamie McLaren. I think one of the he's been one of, one of the most uh, um, most excellent things to come out of the A-League of recent times, and now he's made his way to Europe. We'll obviously we'll watch him with great interest, but I'm just looking forward to the next Jamie McLaren, and, and obviously the, the marquees are terrific. But, but a couple of questions without notice, Simon. I'm going to pick a couple of ones out here, uh, the ones that I think are important. Mel- Melbourne City, there's always big expectations. Can they deliver something this year? What do you think? Well, on the strength of what we saw against Sydney FC in the FFA Cup, and yes, it's pre-season, and yes, they're probably still you know, finding their feet under a new coach, Warren Joyce, but um, that was a worrying evening, I thought, for mm-hmm. Melbourne City. Now, in, in fairness, they're without Bruno Fornaroli, of course, who's going to be out for some time with injury, and he's a big loss for them. They've got to try and fill that gap. Now, there, there is a rumour that they're trying to sign Ross McCormack uh, from Aston Villa on loan. Uh, he's certainly got the pedigree, whether his head's in the right space. If you'll read his uh, biog, he's you know, had a few problems down the years. Yeah, I thought so, Steve, Steve Bruce's comments about him were telling, weren't they, in terms of... He just he had problems with fitness, problems with health, and uh, and uh, you know they sent, yeah. him, they sent him away to get his head right, basically. Yeah, but I mean, there's no doubt that the raw materials are there, and if they can get him across the line, then I would feel a whole lot better about Melbourne City's chances. I think the other the other question mark over Melbourne City is the new coach. You know, whenever you, you bring in a foreign coach, uh, it can take time for them to adjust because. You know, and again, people don't really understand this, or a lot of people in Australia. The league here is very different to football around the world. You know, most leagues don't have salary caps. They don't have um, a, a closed league where there's no promotion and relegation. They don't have limits on squad rosters. They don't have five-hour flights to play away games in Perth mm-hmm. on rock-hard grounds in 40-degree temperatures sometimes. So, you know, all those things as a foreigner, and I can say this because I'm a foreigner myself, or was a long time ago, when you first arrive in Australia... And, and you survey the local football landscape, it can be like stepping on the moon. It, it's so different. And, you know, the way that the media is focused on other forms of football. And for a, for a newly arrived coach, it can take you a good, you know, five or six months for you to get your head around all this and go, right, OK, this is how things work here. So I hope that Warren Joyce uh, is learning quickly. Um, and I hope you adjust quickly because otherwise the knives will be out given the expectations that are invariably on a club that has you know, such fiscal backing.
They sure will be. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Fox Sports Simon Hill ahead of the A-League season, which kicks off next week. At Melbourne City, the spotlight is always on them because of the money, the fact that uh, they've underperformed since they, uh, they've had the City Group involved and uh, the expectation that lies around them. But uh, talk to us about some of the other clubs that are you know, holding up the bottom end of the ladder. You can't help but think uh, you know, in season previews that uh, you know, this year's uh, ladder is, is going to shape similarly to last year. There's not, just not a lot. Uh, about some of those those bottom clubs that suggest that they're going to make a you know a big charge up um, uh, towards the top six. Um, do, do you share that view, Simon? Do you have any hope for some of those clubs? Um, uh, look, I do, but w- w- with a caveat. Uh, certainly, from the perspective of the Central Coast Mariners and the Newcastle Jets, who were two of those bottom four teams last year, I think they will show incremental improvement. I look at their their squad rosters, and all we've got to go on, obviously, at the moment is what you can see on paper or what we've seen in the FFA Cup. Uh, both of those teams went out early, uh, so this is a subjective opinion. But I, I think their squads have better quality than last year. So I think they will improve, but I, I'm not sure they've got enough to, to make the top six. And you can certainly make a, a similar case for Wellington Phoenix, mm. who look very thin in terms of their squad depth. Uh, there's an awful lot, and this is not meant to be disrespectful, but an awful lot of recycled A-League players the likes of Daniel Mullen, uh, Dario Bidisic, who's been at a few clubs. Of course, his father, Rado, is there now as assistant coach to, to Dario Kalasic. Um, and one or two others like Ali Abbas. Now, they're good season day league players, but uh, are they going to make a big enough impact? And my, my, my fear for Wellington is, you know, we're two years into uh, their initial four-year licence that was granted by the FFA. They were told basically to pick that, you know, pull their socks up. Mm. Um now, they've got two years left on that initial four-year license before they you know, extend into another four. What have they done significantly different over the last two years after getting that rap on the knuckles? Have they brought in a marquee player? No. Mm. Have they qualified for the finals? They've missed the finals uh, two years out of the last three. Have their crowds improved? No. In fact, they went down last year. Have their memberships improved? No. They were the lowest in the league last year. Now, if I was the owners of Wellington Phoenix, and I'm a fan of Phoenix being in the league, by the way, but they've got to perform, I'd be thinking, we've got to really make a splash here. Otherwise, that noise from across the Tasman is only going to increase. And I'm just baffled by the fact that there doesn't seem to be a lot in place, at least at the shop front. I know they're doing some good stuff behind the scenes, training ground, uh, at the Youth Development Academy, etc., etc., but... You know, the front of shop still seems pretty threadbare to me. So maybe they'll surprise me. I hope they do. But uh, I have my concerns for them. I think we all share those concerns for Wellington Phoenix. Simon, <laughs> just before we go, we'll pitch, hit you up. Who will uh, who will uh, finish top of the table and win the plate? Come on, Thanks. Simon. Um, <laughs> uh, well, look, can I, can I hedge my bet slightly and say I think it'll be, and this is an obvious pick, obviously, given the grand final last year, but I do think Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory have on paper the strongest squads yeah. out of any of the 10 teams. Um, Sydney have replaced, you know, Danny Vukovic with uh, Alec Chisak, and they've got Andrew Redmayne, of course. Luke Wilshire comes in to replace the injured Ryan Grant. Mizzoszewski, we've mentioned already, terrific player. Probably an upgrade on Philip Holosko with respect to him. And victory, you know, Mark Milligan, Costa Barbarousas, Thomas Dengue's back. Yeah, yeah. They both look very, very strong. I think it'll take a good team. The only other team that I can see potentially challenging is Western Sydney Wanderers, but yeah. I'd go for either Sydney or victory. If you really want to push me, I'll say victory. And what about mm. Golden Boot? No Fauna Roly uh, uh, this season until probably late in the season, but uh, yeah. what do you think, Golden Boot? Who, who's going to take it out? 
Well, given what I've just said about uh, Sydney FC and Melbourne victory, you can probably make a case for either Basel Barisha again um, or Babo. I mean, mm. Babo was you know pretty close to the Golden Boot last year, but um, uh, anyway, I, I think it'll probably be, be between those two. It's normally the teams that are at the top of the table. It certainly is. Yeah. Hey, Simon, we're always uh, grateful for your time, mate. Thanks for uh, taking a look at the A-League season ahead. No doubt we'll talk to you plenty of times And, Rob, don't season. forget two uh, fantastic new programs on yeah, Fox Sports this yeah. year, the A-League Hour on a Monday night, and uh, just for kicks on a Thursday night, with I think Tara Rushton is uh, hosting that one, but uh, two great programs to keep all of us entertained with all the information in between the games. Looking forward to it, guys. Bring on the new season. Good on you, Simon. Talk to you soon. Stick around because Dino is going to jump into the studio next and we're going to break down every team. We're going to make some selections. Dino likes to put them in the vault and that's what we're going to do. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course our podcast available via boxtoboxnts.com.au. Dino, we're going to get into our A-League selections, but I want to introduce you to a new product from our friends at Chemist Warehouse, Neuromol. N-U-R-O-M-O-L. It combines the power of two active ingredients, ibuprofen and paracetamol, in one tablet. Just one tablet of Neuromol provides more effective and longer-lasting pain relief than two 500-milligram tablets of regular paracetamol. For superior pain relief, make the switch to Neuromol, combining the power of two acting ingredients. Then I said what they were, Dino, ibuprofen and paracetamol, you know it, in one tablet. Right now at Chemist Warehouse, Neuromol 12s are just four ninety nine. That's a deal. Always read the label. Use only as directed. If symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional. Incorrect use could be harmful. I think the uh, head office of the FFA need to get down to Chemist Warehouse for some Neuromol. I think they might, yes. There's a few headaches there. There's a few headaches. Lowest prices guaranteed. Dino, we, um, it's over to you, mate, because uh, you're the maestro of this segment and uh, and you've set us all some homework. Yeah, well, um, we've done this, obviously, in our earlier shows with regards to the Premier League in England and also the Championship and we put a little bit of pressure on. Uh, there's a little bit of incentive. You know, somebody's taking somebody out to dinner when they win the prize. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would only be opportune with the A-League now. What is it really now? It's most probably one week away mm-hmm. to almost mm-hmm. the minute. And um, really, we want the uh, predictions. And uh, I think we've we've looked at all of the A-League clubs throughout the whole of the um, off-season. Yeah, we had a good chat to Simon. Simon's got, obviously, his thoughts in there. He's thrown his little weight to who So you want us to go 1 to 10, don't you? I think 1 to 10 is always the best way to go, Edge. So, I mean, I will get the scribe. So I will make sure it's... Well, well, okay. Well, while you're looking for the paper, I'm going to get started, all right? Okay, 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 Rob. From 1 to 10. And and you want just a brief observation on... on Oh, you can, yeah. yeah, yeah, You know, we want to know why you're thinking it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to stun the world. By picking Sydney FC to top the ladder, yep. um, because uh, just what they did last year, um, they're more or less the same squad. I think Arnie can rekindle the fire, and uh, and they they uh, have got a burning desire to go back to back. Victory, the band's starting to get back together. Mark Milligan and Costa Barbarousas have returned. I like that uh, stability and that core of, of of a squad that they've had for many many years. So you're taking time. a bit of risk at the top end. A yeah? massive risk I'm taking. <laughs> okay, so in the third spot. Uh, 600 games in the championship. He said his apprenticeship coaching Manchester United reserves. I think Warren Joyce is going to turn uh, the fortunes of Melbourne City around. And Interesting. They're going to start winning and they're going to start drawing crowds. 
they're going to play entertainment football, entertaining football. I think uh, Timmy is uh, is going to to step it up and have his best season in the A League yet. Western Sydney, they had 12 draws last season, the most in uh, in the competition. I think Popper's is um, going to have uh, have. Um, a lot of pressure on his back, obviously, but yeah. the Spanish imports, uh, Oriol Riera and Alvaro Corriedo, am I think pronouncing Absolutely them Absolutely superb they're, so far. They're the guys that we're relying on, so Western Sydney fourth. Adelaide United, can their new coach, Marco Kurtz, restore the attacking firepower? Uh, pre-season form, form suggests yes. Plenty of European experience. I like the look of Bundesliga veteran, the Algerian Karim Matmour. I think he's going to add a lot of firepower to Adelaide. Uh, sixth, Perth Glory, Diego Castro. He's not the only uh, Spanish at the Perth outfit these days. Amongst a lot of the other locals, I think uh, Kenny Lowe's masterstroke in bringing Xavi Torres from La Liga and uh, Castro's former teammate and Western Sydney Wanderer, Andreo, will make a big difference for the Wanderer Glory. So that's the top six rounding out uh, that uh, finals outfit. So the ones that will miss out, Brisbane Raw, I think Massimo Macaroni will be a, uh, a great... Uh, player to fill the void of Jamie McLaren but I just don't think that, uh, that the new marquee is going to be enough. I think Ernie Merrick will do well to get the Jets into 8th spot uh, hopefully he can get out a, tu- a tune out of the former high flyers and and uh, and let's keep an eye out for the Venezuelan international Ronald Vega, Vargas Ronald Vargas uh, at Newcastle it's all about Paul O'Con. That's not Roddy Vargas either. No, no it's not <laughs> uh, Ronald, his brother uh, so it's all about Paul O'Con. can he coach? We're going to find that out with Central Coast and sadly um, I think we talked about it with Simon Wellington Phoenix. Poor pre-season form. The uh, Bosnian Swiss SPAC coach, Darija Kalezic, has uh, also lost Rolly Bonavacci and Costa Barbarusis. They're going to hold up the bottom. So that's my opinion, um, just off the top of my head. Very, uh, very well done, to be, to be honest. Got to give a lot of credit there, Rob. Um, how well, you told me to do my homework. No, no, you did do I, your homework. Last time we did this, he was unprepared. He so was. That's so, so true. So I think he spent prepared. the entire week doing that. <laughs> no, very well done. Well, I'm going to pick a few bones with you. I am. Because so where are you going, H? I am hor- I'm just horrified to say that I agree with Rob. That <laughs> Sydney FC is going to finish on top. And uh, I think Sydney will. Um, I think Sydney, as Rob said, the, the squad is basically intact. Very well run club. And Arnie's on fire. They'll win it. Uh, they'll win. Not only will they finish top, they'll win the grand final. Um but I don't think Melbourne Victory is going to finish second. I think Western okay. Sydney Wanderers. I Western think, Sydney Wanderers, yeah, okay. I think Western Sydney Wanderers will be stinging uh, as a result of their last uh, their last season's uh, pretty ordinary performance, just quietly. Uh, and I think, as, as Rob mentioned, the imports are very good. Melbourne Victory in third spot for me. Um, Perth Glory in fourth spot. I like the imports, and I think the away form for Perth Glory will improve. Um, and I'm going to pick in fifth spot Newcastle because mm. they're a proud football mm. uh football um, uh, region and I think the partnership of Laurie McKenna and Ernie Merrick will work um, and I think uh, some of the young Australians that they've brought into that club for me very are interesting that, yeah. very interesting and yeah. I'm going to pick Central Coast to finish sixth mm, really interesting Paul Ocon has uh, got two of the best imports that have come into the into the uh, the team and their pre-season form has been pretty good other than their first uh, garbage performance in the FFA Cup uh, their performances with uh, the rest of the the rest of the uh, the preseason has been pretty good. Adelaide United in seventh spot. Yep. Uh, for me, Melbourne City, uh, the camp's not happy. Okay. Nobody likes Warren Joyce. I'm going to say that off the top. I think there's a lot. Welcome to Melbourne, by the way, Warren. Um, yes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, uh, just the, think... the opinions of Michael Edgley are not necessarily yeah. those of yeah. the rest of the I've panel. heard that there's uh, there's rumblings in the camp already, um, and I think they are. 
uh, you know, a mighty, mighty heap of trouble. Uh, Brisbane Raw for me, the squad's too thin. Uh, I agree with you, Rob. There, they're going to finish ninth, and Wellington Phoenix, they're in tenth because they're from New Zealand, and no one over there. Listens well, to thank us. you, Edge. Um, some really interesting things there from Edge. You know, the Newcastle Central Coast, so that yes. boosts certainly in that region. Edge is right behind them. I will just fire through because I know we're really on a tight schedule. And you're always right anyway. Um, not necessarily because I'm. I know the results of where we are in the other one, oh, so yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm travelling not too well. Anyway, here we go. Sydney. Melbourne victory, Brisbane. I'm on the opposite way. I actually think I think they'll stick together and do quite well. Western Sydney Wanderers, mm-hmm. Melbourne City, and then Adelaide will be in the top six. Mm-hmm. Perth, Central Coast, Newcastle, Wellington. Yeah, we sort of all pretty much agreed that uh, Perth outside the top six, Dino. Yeah. With all those home games in Western Australia. Yeah, and all the travelling they have to do, and as we had uh, young Granty on last week, uh, a lot of travelling to do. Yeah, definitely. But yes, um, I'm looking for. I better bring me crash. But, but what, what, what do you have to <laughs> say about uh, Edge's comments? But I mean, that's pretty harsh. He's just sort of flinging off the hip, you know, cowboy style, uh, talking about uh, no, poor old Warren oh, Joyce. Look, there, there is rumblings. It's like any football. You know, it's like in every industry, yeah. there's rumblings. Some's right, some's wrong. But it's changing things up a lot. But uh, look, it's like anything. He's got his methodology. He's got the job, mm-hmm. and he's the gaffer until someone tells him he's not. So and I uh, think Bruno Fornaroli is a massive, massive loss, loss as well. Yeah, yeah that's, that's hurt terribly. Yeah, no, no, Dad said it, it has. Well, next week uh, we'll be doing the preview, so the, the program will be uh, um, leading into uh, the opening match of the season um, next Friday night, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll. Start and just to end process. it, we will take them where to. The vault. Exactly. Well done, Dino. Stick around because after the break, Brisbane Strikers coach Owen Baker is going to join us. Dino, you're going to return with the international scene bid week. It's been in Champions League and we will wrap it up with stoppage time. That is all coming up next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sports. Second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to Brisbane Strikers coach Owen Baker. 20 years on from them in their sole triumph at Lane Park with Frank Farina out there. Looking forward to that chat ahead of the, uh, the, the National Premier League's grand final against Heidelberg tomorrow afternoon. Dino, he'll preview the International Week in football and we'll have a chat about the Champions League and we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. But Edge, uh, still plenty of news left. Um, uh, there's, uh, you know, Mitch Langerak... Um, what do we got to? Uh, well, Mitch obviously Mitch, eh? was named in the Socceroos uh, squad to uh, face Syria home and away, but he can't get a game mm. um, at Levante. Uh, they had a 4 0 loss uh, on Thursday morning Australian time, um, and that uh, means that uh, with him not getting game time, mm. is Brad Jones breathing down his neck? Could Brad mm. Jones, who's and been Mitch in was great doing so form, well with Stuttgart, he really um, um, yeah, uh, I mean, know, started his career in the Bundesliga well, didn't he? Well, going to La Liga is obviously a, a bit of a step up, you would mm, think, but. Mm. Um, um, yeah, we need need him to play, and uh, is his uh, spot in the soccer squad in the long term potentially at risk? Because we all know Brad Jones has been doing so well for Feyenoord. Mm. Uh, Fox Sports football expert Mark Bosnich uh, was vocal in his criticism of Ange Postecoglou's soccer's direction after the last World Cup qualifiers, in particular the 2-1 victory over Thailand. Uh, but after the squad was named to play Syria in the Asian playoffs uh, in October, obviously Bosnich issued a rallying cry. Um, uh, on his TV show, Bill and Boz, 
for the country's fans to get behind the Socceroos. Uh, yep. in, in, well, you'd expect him, him to do that. I mean, he's, he's, he's a media pundit well, these days. And so, you know, pundit, there's but a lot you can't of have it both on. ways, Boz. Well, he is having his both ways. He's eating he? his cake uh, at the same time as making mm. it. And, uh, yeah. Well, uh, what do you think, Dino? I mean, uh, you know, Boz is uh, an outspoken person. Many have suggested he's in the, the Arnie camp um, trying to uh, give uh, Anja a bit of a nudge out of the, uh, the top job. Oh, look, we hear those rumours and, um, you know, Sydney's Sydney, Melbourne's Melbourne. I think mm-hmm. we look after our own, they look after theirs. Mm-hmm. I think in the general view, Boz is pretty oh, opinionated, obviously because he's been around and done stuff. But at the same to- token, I think he's generally, from my opinion in the time I've ever listened to him, he's pretty fair. Um, now, do we back our coach? I think we do. Um, I think he's still got credit in the bank. and uh, And I think, you know... All of a sudden, within four games, we could be at a World Cup. If it isn't, then there's obviously going to be an inquiry like there always it's will be. It's all duck or no dinner over the next it month is, or isn't two, it? isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. It's going to be exciting, isn't it? Remember, this is the last time mm, yeah. that we'll probably have to face uh, you know, sudden death uh, playoff matches mm, like this because, yeah. remember, the World Cup's expanded yes. to 52 teams. Yeah, yeah. So our road to the World Cup yeah. is likely to be a little easier. Mm. Um, but uh, but it, it, if it all works out, it's a feast of football. We're going to see well, it's four, going to be four exciting, great uh, yeah. international times. Two full houses at... Uh, There'll probably be a penalty shootout at one of them. Um, so, uh, well, I hope not. There probably will be, sure. but they wouldn't don't have, you think? I don't know if I think. survive that. <laughs> don't know if my heart would survive <laughs> oh, God. I was looking at some photos of the Uruguay match. Uh, our mate Ian Fowler, who was on the show last week, uh, I'd mentioned to him that um, after the game, I was, uh, I was on the pitch trying to get some audio for the Macquarie Radio Network, and uh, I recall standing next to uh, Huss... Uh, he was like the Easter Island statue uh, as pandemonium broke out around him. And uh, I just recalled saying on the radio that uh, there is one man, he's uh, he's calm in a sea of bedlam and, and he looks like he's got a job yet to do. And uh, I was looking for some photos trying to catch an image of He was of just thinking of his pitch. bonus. That's what he was thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a pity course isn't in here tonight. We could <laughs> have right. asked him about that. Yeah. Hey, um, but... Uh... One of the guys that's been a little bit missing of recent times is head of A-League, Gregor Rourke, popped up mm, his head mm. at the A-League launch and was quizzed uh, about the expansion in the next few years for the A-League. And, and Gregor Rourke said that, uh, uh, that they were still committed to expand and have a long-term horizon that will probably look at like 16 teams. Rourke said, uh, according to what was reported in the Western Australian, uh, Rourke was uh, quoted as saying that we'll probably go up in twos uh, from 12 to 14 to 16 and we were looking at a 2019-2020 season for the first two teams, and Dino's over there laughing his head off at this, Rob. And I just wonder what you've got to say, Mr. AAFC. So do I get this right, that it's 10 now? Yep. To become 12? To become 14 and then 16. Very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I think something's been modelled around that. I think I've seen something similar to that. And I think, I think personally, I think it's an excellent idea. So I will back that one in. And support it. Very good. Well, good to see, absolutely. But let's uh, continue on the news about Socceroos boss Ange Postacoglu, who believes that if he was playing football today, he would never have made it as a professional. While the A-League is a fully professional competition with bigger crowds, more money, and with greater participation numbers than ever before, uh, the opportunities for aspiring young footballers at the elite level are limited. During Postacoglu's playing and coaching era in the National Soccer League, uh, it regularly had 14 to 16 teams, but since the A-League inception, the number of teams competing has rarely risen above 10. It was 11 in 2010-2011, remember? Mm. Um, and the Socceroos boss says it's time for top tier of Australian football to catch up with the ever-expanding number of grassroots participants. He's mm. calling for more clubs. It's consistent. You know, you've just gone through uh, 
you know, Greg O'Rourke's version of events. Then you've got Ange supporting it. Um, I've done a little bit of due diligence, uh, talking to different people within the game at a league level. And that number of 16 is quite an interesting number because that's the one that they keep coming up with. So for me, it sounds like there's a little bit of a groundswell for 16 is the right number. Mm. And I, I, I like the timing of grow it slowly, you know, in little increments, not go too too early, too quick. Um, and learn from, obviously, the, the experiences of people far greater than my experience at that level of how these things should be developed. But I think it's a really positive thought process. At least we're talking about it. We're not shutting the door. We're not going, no, it, it is what it is. And there looks, for me, optimism, especially for our young players, you know, getting the young players into the system and playing regular football at a decent standard so we get back to where we were many years ago with the golden generation. Absolutely, no question about that. In that article, which Greg Greg O'Rourke was quoted so extensively, he poured cold water on a second team out of WA boys. He said uh, that's not happening, at least for the, not for the next four years. He didn't see that a second team from WA would be part of the initial 16. And on that, I think this is where this has to be really, you know, from whether it's an A league, a B league, how the MPLs are restructured if all of this goes ahead. It's just getting the dynamics right in every state. And, you know, whether that's correct or incorrect or not being thought through. I think it has been thought through. There's obviously something there that that's why they've declared that which is an interesting one just to pick one state and talk about that but if that's where we're going and we're actually talking about it discussing it and trying to get the right answers isn't that all we've all we've ever wanted for everybody mm. to have some buy-in so we can actually get uh, we, we need a plan D. we need a plan we do need we a plan. Need to prove well fully frank with the events of the past 48 hours and fifa um you know striding into town um it looks like uh, there'll be a plan of some description. We don't know what it's going to look like, but it looks like there's going to be a plan soon because that was one of the stipulations all along that um, there needed to be a roadmap towards uh, promotion and relegation, and that's been mm. one of the sticking points all along. The next story on the rundown, it's an outrage. You know, Well, it's an outrage, on? isn't it? Yeah, Samantha Kerr was not uh, shortlisted for the uh, FIFA Best Women's Player Award, and uh, people were coming from. And I don't. I know you don't look at social media a lot, Edge, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was all no. over Twitter, and and no, so in, in the Fair Dinkum Department on that occasion, I, I was really uh, interested in hearing what the, the comment from around the world was, and and there was universal condemnation yeah, that Samantha Kerr wasn't chosen. None bigger the final than Abby, Abby Womack, the uh, mm. great uh, USA champion yeah. striker, who said. Uh, never mind Samantha. Everybody, know, everybody knows how good you are. You keep scoring goals. And, and Lisa Devanna, in her uh, in her um, typically subtle style, um, put the uh, <laughs> the pile of poo emoji <laughs> in her tweet. I'm sure she would. Um, yeah. Look, I agree with that. I mean, look, she's had an unbelievable time of recent times, and the best way to answer any critics or uh, mm. or not get what you most probably duly deserve is keep banging the goals in. Is mm. what they say. Goals pay the rent. They certainly do. Pay now, can I just throw something in? Just can. out of left field, we talked uh, a bit earlier about <clears throat> off-air about the Australian under-16s that went on the trip to Mongolia. Um, won all three games, uh, pitted against Mongolia, Cambodia and Vietnam. Um, took a squad over there of a mixture of, obviously, boys from the A-League, but also there was a few um, domestic boys. And I'd just like to just say well done to a young boy called uh, Marco Mancuso, who mm-hmm. was in... Uh, Hume City's under-15s this year, mm-hmm. and he played in the last game and uh, allegedly did well in a well-deserved win. So well done to him, and uh, mm-hmm. onwards and upwards. And, Dino, you'll be pleased to know that Bean Sports has finally revealed that it's secured the TV broadcast right to the championship uh, as well as the league club, which has been pretty bloody frustrating. It um, is. That, uh, you know, we've all got the Fox Sports. Bean so. Sports 
is really good. It's really good, but um, it's just you know the, missing the opening um, to the season uh, has been annoying. But uh, it's good to know that uh, no, it's we'll good be back to get on soon. Some so, watch some of our boys play at that level. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Dino, that's fantastic. Everyone, stick around because we're going to much to Edge's chagrin. He was lobbying <laughs> hard in the production meeting to have um, another um, representative of Heidelberg on, but um, but we fought against him and uh, and we've got uh, oh, the coach of the, the Brisbane Strikers, Owen Baker. No, just uh, these are the facts. We only deal with the facts on Box to Box. So stick around, Brisbane Strikers coach Owen Baker. He's next after the break. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, one of the proudest names in football in this country is the Brisbane Strikers, and it's 20 years since they won the NSL in uh, 24 hours' time. They are going to be playing for the National League's grand final title against Heidelberg. Michael Edgeley is sitting in the corner. He's not happy with our next guest's intentions to win this title. Oh, Welcome. come on. Just because I'm old-time burger. Welcome mean, to the show, I'm not going to be nice Baker. to Owen. Hello, gents. How are you? G'day, Owen. Great. Your old mate Dino here. Yeah, hello, Owen. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, good lad. Well, I've seen plenty of Brisbane strikers and Heidelberg games in years gone by, and they've always been pretty good. Um, and, and, he did, and he wanted to get a Heidelberg person on, but we overruled him, Owen, to, to, to get Brisbane on. <laughs> I said, we've got to get someone on from Brisbane because we love the Queenslanders up there. And Perry Park's going to host the game, I understand. Is that right? Yeah, Saturday night at uh, 6 o'clock at Perry. I'm, uh, I'm actually standing on the pitch right now. Uh, so we're hopefully expecting quite a good crowd. There's been some good interest so far. So we're looking forward to it as a club. We're, you know, we're, we're so excited. Well, the Burgers have got a few fans up there too in Queensland. Heidelberg is one of those clubs that, if you're from that part of Greece, uh, where they were from, they, uh, they do like it up there. But uh, it'll, it'll be memories of years gone by. There's been some big Heidelberg and uh, Brisbane games up at Perry Park. It's a great little venue too. How's the pitch looking, Owen? Are you out there with a roller? Yeah, no, the pitch, the pitch isn't too bad. It's um, it's greened up a lot. It's warmed up a lot over the last few weeks here. Yeah. So it's, um, and obviously we've had the away game, so it hasn't had any traffic on it at all. So it feels not too bad. It's in a good good place to host a final. And how excited are you? Uh, it's a big game. I mean, just for uh, listeners right around Australia, this is the NPL final. So the, the, the champions from all the states who won the Premier's Plates finished top of the table uh, in all of the NPL competitions, going to a, a, a knockout comp at the end of the season. And, and uh, the, the, the Brisbane champion or the Queensland champion and the Victorian champion are playing off for national titles. I mean, how important <laughs> is this game for, for you and your club, Owen? Where do you rate it in the, the scheme of the whole season? Uh, well, yeah, it's huge. You know, um, you know, any bit of trophy where is great for a club. But um, like you said before, it's it's 20 years since we won that grand final in uh, '97, so it means a lot to this club. And the, the, the club every year wants to do well and win leagues and, and have that presence on the national stage. So we haven't been in. We, we lost the grand final a couple of years ago to Morton Bay in the league here. So. You know, we have a little bit of a hoodoo in grand finals, actually, at Strikers the last few years. So it's, it's one we want to put right. It's one we want to put to bed. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're really excited. And it, it's one of those, um, you know, after 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 winning the league, you, you, it's a bit surreal. You only, you only realise, you only have to get the, the two games to, to host, you know, to get the final and host the final. So well, I think having the, the trips away to Tassie at South Hobart and then, 
last week down at Edgeworth. Um, you know, it, it just built that excitement because we're now coming back to Perry Park and we, we just hope, you know, as we will, we'll put on the display for all our fans and supporters and hopefully hopefully come home with a trophy. Now, I mean, uh, obviously we met in pre-season up in the Gold yeah. Coast when Brisbane were doing their pre-season along with uh, Hume City when I was there and obviously that's when we met and... Uh, just for our listeners, uh, Owen actually played for Hume City and uh, donned the left-back position, yeah. if you remember right. Yeah, I remember it very well. <laughs> um, and that's really how we started our relationship, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, I remember it was a hot day at Core Beach it on was. that Saturday. And it, but it was, it was a good day. It was a good game for us. It seems, it seems like a long time ago now, actually, doesn't it? Now, from your point of view, obviously, for the listeners as well, obviously, you've been with Brisbane uh, Strikers for a while now. So just give just uh, the background of where you've been over the last, you know, 12, 18 months. And obviously, you know, what, what's happened now, obviously, with the club with the changing hands, with Sean leaving and obviously you taking over. Yeah, so this is actually my fifth year at the club, um, just coming up um, through, through the juniors. So this, this is actually my first year working with the senior team after coaching the under-18s for two years. Yeah. Um, so was Sean's assistant this year, and for, for those that don't know Sean, Sean left to, to take a, the, the Gold Coast United job. Um, and the club, club's technical director, David Large, um, a, a sort of come in and, we, and we've worked together these last few weeks just to just to try and you know no, no it's been, really been no major change you know obviously Sean's gone but Largie's come in and, and I've still been working with the group the, the, the club wanted to keep that continuity for the group yeah which is smart um, yeah um, and you know so so far we, we you know the players seem to have responded quite well to that. Um, because there's been no real major changes personnel-wise on the pitch or anything like that. We've just tried to heads down and keep keep the show go on, you know. So um, and, and for next year, it looks like it's going to be the same sort of structure. Um, so you know, we just hope we we can finish finish these last three games well. This is box to box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the Brisbane Strikers coach Owen. Baker ahead of a big, big game against the Burgers tomorrow, the grand final of the National Premier League. Now, um, we've talked about South Melbourne with their FFA Cup semi-final and, and you know mm-hmm. their aspirations for uh, for you know the promotion and relegation conversation. We know Miron Blyberg uh, was floating the the, the talk of, of the strikers, uh, you know, being in that same sort of grouping of clubs. Uh, do you see this as, as one of those key matches to, to you know to put the uh, the club you know in the national spotlight, um, you know, and, and show what uh, what it's capable of? Yeah, most definitely. You know, I mean, in the background as well at our club, we've got the the A League bid going on, which you know we we don't hear too much about um, on the on the front line, but we know we know it's there and we know it's in the background. So any any national presence that we get is is good, and certainly if we're we're lifting silverware as well. So we're, we're we we want to be part of that, uh, whether it be an A League expansion or B League, um, I believe, and. You know, any, any exposure like this is, is great for that bid. Certainly is, Owen. I mean, um, uh, anyone who is uh, old enough uh, like Dean and Rob and I will remember that magnificent day 20 years ago when Frank Farina mm. led Brisbane Strikers in front of a packed house at uh, Perry, at Suncorp Stadium, I think it was, or the old Lang Park, as they call it. Yeah, the cauldron. I think there was 44,000 people there that day, and uh, Brisbane yep. Strikers 
uh, can pull a crowd. There's no question about that. So uh, are you ready for the burgers? Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> the burgers are crowing a bit. Just remember you're talking to a burger supporter here, no, by no, the, the way. The burgers okay. are crowing a bit. Uh, their skipper said during the week, Luke Biles, that he was flabbergasted that uh, their striker, Kenny Atu, has not yet uh, been trialled at A-League, A-League level. Kenny's uh, banged in 21 goals in 28 games. Uh, who's your lead striker? How many has he scored? Uh, Jeremy Stewart, he scored 15 in the league and he's, in, he's scored a couple in the finals game. Oh, OK, so uh, it's going to be the Stewart versus a two uh, contest here. No, it'll be it'll be exciting. I, look, I am, I am having a bit of fun, Owen, but... Um, no, no, it's true. Um, <laughs> oh, it listen, there's going, to, there's going to be some great battles all over the park, you know. We we um, we respect Heidelberg for, you know, the size of the club they are and the competition they play in. Uh, we know it's going to be a great game, but... Um, you know, I think I think going into a grand final like this, because as being the, the home the home uh, finalist, you, you have to you have to go in with confidence yourself. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what we're doing. We prepared well this week. The boys have had a good week of training. Um, but we know we know Heidelberg quality, so we've come up with a plan. And if it works on the day, great. You know, but it's the final, so we, we know we're not going to leave anything out on the park. The boys are going to give it, give it everything. They've, they've been working hard for this moment all year, and uh, you know we hope it's a good one for the spectators. Absolutely, the striker spectators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, we'll take that. We'll take that on board. Hey, what's the weather forecast? Is it going to be one of those magnificent, uh, balmy Brisbane evenings, about to 22 degrees, no wind? Yeah, it's always nice up here. Um, we don't have bad weather up here. It's, um, I think 32, high of 32, low of 17. So I think by the time. Uh, uh, Game starts. Comes around, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be in a nice place. And just a quick one to finish, Owen. Always putting the manager under pressure. Can you predict the score? Uh, no, I can't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, that means you're learning as a manager, doing very well. No, I can't. But you think no, you'll I... win. You, you do think you'll win, though, don't you? Well, he's not going to say they're going to lose, oh. is he, Dean? <laughs> no. Well, he wouldn't want Largy to hear this yeah, if he no. does. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I, I, listen, I know it's going to be a great game and, uh, you know, we, we've come up with a plan. The boys have worked hard at training. They, they trust and believe each other and uh, we're going to be giving it everything, everything that we can. Well, good, good luck, Owen. Yeah, good luck. Uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, everyone, uh, the great news about this game, Rob, is that it's been streamed yeah. uh, on the on the internet. Uh, you mm-hmm. only need to go to any of the NPL Facebook pages yep. right around Australia and you'll get access to a feed mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be like the old days. Perry Park, the drums will be beating. It'll be great. Yeah, it will do. Thank you, uh, thank you so much for having me, no. and uh, hope you hope you enjoy the show. Absolutely, Owen. It's our pleasure, mate. We'll look when we'll hopefully we'll enjoy the game tomorrow when you when you play as well, mate. Uh, good luck, and uh, it's just great to see one of the great names of football in this country uh, up and about. Um, you know, in the big time with a big crowd and a big game coming up. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure to be a part of. Thank you. Good stuff. So stick around, Dino. We're going to get into the uh, week's Champions League. Uh, we're going to go from one end of uh, the, the world to the other, as opposed from one end of the pitch to the other this time. We're going to talk about everything going on this week. And Benfica, then big, big week. And I'm looking win. forward to Saturday night because the SBS game is, is a massive one. Uh, Huddersfield v Spurs. Yeah, it so is, yeah. So our Aaron Moy, so we'll have a good look at that. Mm. And Spurs are in tip-top condition at the moment, so yeah. All right, stick around. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sports, streaming on the World Wide Web and, of course, the podcast on boxtoboxntsa.com.au. Dino is back in the house with a stack of international news to get through. But before we get there, 
When you need storage, who do you go to, Dean? Storage King. Absolutely, you go there. Because if you're on a business from home, it's going great. You might be making a fortune, but the problem is you're sleeping in the bathtub. You've got a house <laughs> full of stock. Where are you going to get it there? If you want your bed back, get into Storage King. They're the perfect solution for businesses that need to store stock, equipment, documents, you name it. So if you want to remove the stress around your house, you're getting harassed by your your better half, uh, you're doing well, you know, but it's not that uh, uh, well that, um, you know, you, uh, you're you comfortable in your home because you've got stuff everywhere. So, uh, look, make it easy. It's I think a we're all in that boat, Rob. We are in that boat. But, see, the point here is some people are onto storage and they've been onto it for a long time and uh, and they realize that it is affordable it's convenient the service is fantastic you get looked after just like it's your your own um, you know piece of uh, of real estate really you know, and and the guys at storage king the girls at storage king just really know what's going on they, they certainly do the kings of storage moving and more so get on down there storageking.com.au call 1800 storage they will take care of you they will remove the stress you will get your house back and your business will go from strength to strength so dino it's been a, a whopper of a week it uh, has, some good it? results uh, for um, <clears throat> Some of the uh, the teams with uh, aspirations in the in the Champions League, but I'm looking forward to uh, this weekend in the EPL. Saturday yeah, night. me too. Look, I think um, you know two games in now we can look at the tables and start to get a little picture. I mean, still plenty to play with uh, four games to go in that uh, in those group stages, but uh, all started off Tuesday night. Uh, sorry, Tuesday in Europe, uh, our Wednesday. Um, and we had Seville beating uh, Malibor 3-0, uh, Spartak Moscow drawing with Liverpool away, uh, Manchester City 2-0, Shakhtar Donetsk, Napoli beat Final 3-1, uh, Besiktas beat uh, Leipzig 2-0, Monaco, which was an interesting one, got beat at home to FC Porto. Yeah, but that's it, Mbappe gone and uh, it's all gone curtains there. Um Apple Nicolas uh Nicosia. That's the one. That's the one against Tottenham Hotspur, three nil. Uh, and that was Harry Kane at his yeah, at his finest. Um and this was really interesting. Um Borussia Dortmund, I mean, mm. always been really tough to play at, home. at their mm. home ground, but got turned over by Real Madrid. Um moving then obviously then to the next night, uh we had uh Basel five nil against Benfica, which is mm, a real good, it's a real good hide in there. Mm. Uh, CSK Moscow four one defeat, and, and that was a late goal too. Um, yeah, it CSKA, was very yes, so, it was. so dominant performance, what, really so, dominant. You know how, how much are Everton missing Romelu Lukaku? And the worry I've got a bit is Bayern Munich as well. Mm, uh, PSG three mm. nil, it's quite comfortable yeah, in there. Yeah, but you know when you've got Neymar and Mbappe, those sort of names, mate. They, they, you know, yeah, they've got a quality side. Yeah, they have. Um, uh, Anderlecht, um, actually this was really good, good for, for Celtic. Celtic. They bounced mm. back because they got uh, hammered, in, obviously, <laughs> in their previous game against mm. PSG. So, you know, great to see from uh, Mr. Rogers getting the boys back on track, and that's a good win away from home. Um, then, obviously, Roma got a good little two-one win yeah, away. Didn't have it all their own way. No, they didn't. But, uh, again, you know, it's making sure they get those three valuable points. And their Chelsea scoring, I think it was in the 94th. It was, 94th minute. 94th minute. And that's minute. a good result against Atletico. Because they are real tough at home. Mm. Uh, and then to round out Group D, you've got Juventus uh, winning 2-0 against Olympiakos. Mm-hmm. And then, again, a tight game. Um, yeah. Sporting was... Lisbon against Barcelona, 1-0. The Lisbon Lions. There you the go. Lisbon Lions. So, um now, looking at the tables, um, 
Group well, A. They're taking shape now, aren't they? They are taking shape. And I think Manchester United on six and Basel on three and CSK Moscow on three. I think Man United, another big win. Mm. That was a real opportunity lost for CSK. It was. Um, they had you know, a really opportunity, didn't they? At home. Um, equal on points with Basel. Um, yeah. Obviously, PSG, six points. Bayern Munich, three. Celtic now three. As we said, that was a great win to get them back into contention. In Group C, Chelsea uh, top it with six, with Roma on four. Atletico will, Madrid will be worried on one point mm. after two games. Um, and then, obviously, Group D, you've got Barcelona, normal service, six points. Sporting Lisbon, three. Juventus, three. And Olympiacos with no points so far. Group E, Sevilla, uh, top of the league on four points. Liverpool need to be careful on mm. two, along with Spartak Moscow and Malibor, at the rear on one point. Group F, Manchester City six points. Uh, Shakhtar Donetsk on three, Napoli on three, and Feyenoord looking a lot of trouble. So I can't see them recovering unless they definitely get a result in the next yeah, game. Goal difference at minus six. Yeah, not going to be good there. They need some results. Uh, group G, uh, Besitas uh, on six, Porto on three, Monaco on one, and Leipzig on one. So a lot of work to do for Monaco and Leipzig. And then to bring it all to a, to a close, after two rounds, it's Real Madrid on six points with Tottenham Hotspur on six points. And I, I think this is one of the tougher groups. And mm. then there's Borussia Dortmund on no points, as well as uh, you say, Ken Rob. Apple, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's, that's not my favourite one, that one. Um, but that brings them up the rear on nil. So look, I think still plenty to play. This mm. is, but I think some of the big clubs are really like flexing their muscles mm. early in mm. this tournament. Mm. And... Uh, I guess uh, we'll see when the next round comes round to see how it fares. But the next, I think, round three and four are going to be really important for a few clubs in that uh, competition. Now, yeah. obviously, to a more domestic uh, over in the UK, we've got the Premier League back in action this weekend. Mm. And I've highlighted a few games. And, and again, like your buy-in, uh, I've, I've looked at uh, Huddersfield against Tottenham. and. Yeah. And that's not just because of Aaron Moy and Huddersfield's start. That's because it's 8th v 4th. And and if Huddersfield were to turn them over, mm. they go above them. Yeah. So it's it's, yeah. it's a real six-pointer, as they say. And it's at now. home, um, so uh, you, you'd give them a chance. You, what, you, you, they don't look like the type of mob that um, that uh, sets out sets their stall out to defend. No, uh, they play. At, um, no, they play. Know, away or, or let alone at home. So yeah, should be. Yeah, look, and I th- look, I think at the moment Harry Kane's in an unbelievable grain of form, and that's going to be the key for them if they can hold him at bay with all the other stars like mm. the Deli Allies of the world and people like that. Uh, but in fact, they've got a really good side. They're actually they're really kicking into gear at the moment, both on the domestic and and on the uh, on the European front. So it's going to be a tough ask for them. But as you say, they're at home, and I think it's really important that they get something out of this out of this game. Edge, your thoughts on another game you'd like to look at? Uh, for me, it's the relegation battle, Bournemouth, Bournemouth and Leicester. Leicester yeah. yeah, I mean. Wow, um, it's on early days, isn't it? Uh, and what a game for Leicester this is, who've actually haven't been in... I mean, they've been losing games, Leicester, but they haven't been getting thrashed. No, so they've they're, actually they're right been in the game. Right. Yeah, they're yeah. right up to it. There's some so good this, football. This is a big game. And, um, and you know, the Cherries, who who scrapped and kicked and scratched to stay up last year, um, you know, games like this don't get any bigger. No, this is big. 19 v 17. I think uh, if Leicester were to win, they push well away. All of a sudden, that, you know, again, it's another six-point game where... The gap will then become four points instead of they them leapfrogging above them and, and going ahead of them two points clear. Yeah, so that's... And in the same uh, theme and ethos as uh, the relegation battle, uh, the Hammers, West Ham, 
uh, a lot of Australians would have watched West Ham because they were on the, the SBS uh, show and they, after being 3 0 down, they, they came home and rattled home um, last week against Tottenham. Yeah, my boy was there. Yeah. Young, young Matthew yeah, was there. He would have, what a great game. He to said see. it was yeah. uh, the atmosphere at the beginning was great, then it went very, very quiet oh, for a bit. Yeah. And then when the comeback, uh, in fact, the West Ham fans were singing, you're going to get sacked in the morning. So yeah. that wasn't too good for the manager. Yeah. But the second half, he said that once they got a goal and got a sniff and then got another one, there really was there's only one team in it then. Yeah, and West Ham uh, obviously host Swansea, who are in 15th spot. So it's a really must-win game. And I was talking to uh, England uh, just before we came on here, actually, on the way in here. And um, I was uh, having a chat to a West Ham fan who goes regularly. And we were just lamenting. I said, what is it about your club at the moment? And he just said, look, he said, Edge, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of three things. It's the, the one that is still hurting everyone is that they're missing the boiling ground, the fans. Yeah. Um, and he said the dislocation in the new stadium is quite, um, quite um, noticeable, um, especially if you're a fan that's migrated from, mm. from the old stadium. Uh, and he said that the team, um, you know, was so good two years ago that uh, they're just coming struggling to come to terms with uh, the, the plight they're in and uh, and they're starting to have question marks over the intent of the owners. Now we, sort we of know, like um, well, we know move, the moving into a yeah. new house and... Uh, Thinking, and, 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 uh, pining for the old house. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, Michael and I know the owners. We've met them yeah. when we were when they were at Birmingham. The Golds. Yeah, the Gold family. And... Yeah, and they are um, they normally stick fat with their managers. They normally do, and they, they, it takes a lot for them to move them on. <clears throat> but, you know... Last week's rally would give West Ham fans. A yeah, look, I think sometimes you, you can get beat, but it's how you get beat. And I think they're not throwing the towel in. There's some resolve in the team, and they've come back to almost pull it back from a three-nil deficit to to get a point out of it. So, so the I game against Swansea is huge. It is, and you know, and it, it reeks a little bit of the way Crystal Palace have got back on their business, where they played really well. Uh, at Burnley in fact should have won the game hands down but then the manager gets sacked mm. and it was all like premeditated and anyway that's a totally different story Chelsea and Manchester City is well, the big game it doesn't get any bigger yeah, 3v1 yeah. it's uh, it's massive I mean for Man City to get a result here all Ooh. of a sudden we'll go six points clear of Chelsea yeah. and that's that's a gap yeah. especially at that level that's a massive gap So both teams are pretty healthy too So they are and look and I just think just a special mention for Watford and uh, Mr Silva who uh, obviously was Hull last year got the job there and doing a fabulous job and uh, well they're actually only on goal difference outside the top uh, top four mm. so uh, you know well done to Watford and, um, and a couple of big games on they've got Monday a game they, they've got a game they can win actually uh, so mm. well uh, the Everton Burnley match uh, and uh, and Newcastle Liverpool there were uh, a couple of games worth watching Newcastle you know after uh, you know, a good start to the season. They How were, did you know, feel? Like, the yeah, four, they got, yeah. got beat last week, but uh, a bit harch as well. You know, one 0 to Brighton. Mm, yeah, and that was unexpected, but it was at the Amex. So, uh, so you know, Brighton, uh, you know, were uh, you know backs against the wall. That had a pretty ordinary start to the season. Yeah, we so should, a good result for them. We should also a very special mention to the Hodgesaurus, who's taken over mm-hmm. at Crystal Palace. And uh, they are sitting sitting after six games with Duck Eggs, brother. Mm-hmm. They are holding up the bottom of the table in 20, 20th spot. They do not have a point. They have a goal difference of negative 13, which is like another three points they've got to make up. So the Hodgesaurus is 70 years of age. God love him. <laughs> now, I suppose, to our favourite league, uh, the one that always uh, throws up some really interesting... How are we going for time, Rob? Do we want to do the, the championship in stoppage time? No, no, we've got a bit of time. We've got, got a bit of time, time. OK. So, um, 
Well, I want to start off and say that uh, I want to I want to steal your thunder. No, no, absolutely. Because Australian fans, especially ones of my vintage, uh, all have a soft spot for Leeds United, on the basis that uh, obviously the great Mark Viduka and Harry Kuehl were playing their trade in that beautiful, crisp, all-white kit going round. A couple of interesting things about Leeds United. Uh, they obviously are doing super well. Um, but what's really interesting is that their revival under their latest manager, Thomas Christensen, has brought an average crowd of 34,000 people to the famous old stadium and the highest of the season and the third successive league attendances um, for Leeds. So it's are they, a club that was on the brink of bankruptcy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah. they on the verge of a triumphant and uh, incredible return to the top flight. And, you know, the Premier League's better off if Leeds are in it because they are one of those clubs that... They are. You know, I mean, like, they were they were in the old days dirty Leeds, and, they uh, dirty you know, Leeds. under Don Revy. But they and were they, still are from York, they are from Yorkshire, so they can be a bit grumpy sometimes. But. Uh, and I think the key to this story as well, and I'm glad you brought it up, is the 15 managers in 15 years. Mm. And that just, for me, just speaks volumes of why they've been nowhere really to be mm. seen in any way, shape or form, like the old Leeds. They had a manager who then became the England manager. And, you know, there was a film then made when Brian Clough got it. So there's a lot, a lot of history. Leeds were really tough uh, to play against. They were always successful in the late 60s and early 70s. And uh, it's really good for a club and a big club like Leeds to get back from really, last time really they had any success was under David O'Leary. So, yeah, interesting. But Leeds, unfortunately, during the week, got beat to Cardiff. So Cardiff jumped them in the week and they they top, they top the league with Sheffield United. And somebody in this room has Sheffield United in the relegation zone, in the uh, in the <laughs> in the prediction stakes. But I, we won't go there yet because next week is the week where we go to our first look at where we're all oh, at, right, just to let okay. all the yeah. listeners know. Uh, Leeds, Wolves, Preston, North End, and Ipswich Town pull up the top six relegation down the bottom Birmingham City still there Sunderland is a worry on six points and at the rear is Bolton Wanderers so most probably the games to look forward to this week uh, QPR Fulham six pointer to keep them in touch with uh, getting to the pointier end uh, Hull City relegation battle 17 against Birmingham City uh, Ipswich and Bristol uh, City 6v7 and uh, just a little one. I've just flagged Millwall there because, again, young Matt's over there and uh, going to catch up with uh, one of our favourite boys. Boy. Yeah, Matt's Real my lad who's just gone, gone over there for a little trip, catching up with James Meredith, the uh, left fullback, who will be looking after him and taking him to the game. And once upon a time, James went over there when he was a young about organising the police escort to Millwall. Yes, he? well, he's, he's, you know, he's one of the Millwall fans now. He's so he's, one of the he'll be, he'll be dressed like them as well, just to make sure he mixes in well. Absolutely. But no, that'd be a good experience for him to hey, catch Hey, Dino, what jobs. about the 15? Uh, you said Leeds, 15, 15 coaches in 15 years. This yeah. is very, very quick. Venables, Reed, Gray, Blackwell, Wise, McAllister, Grayson, Warnock, McDermott. Hockaday, Milanich, Redfern, Rosler, Evans, Monk and Christensen. Tell you what, some names there. And some and some payouts. Yeah. <laughs> some big payouts. Right, well, well uh, now Mark's not here, so so pull out your gossip for stoppage time. Yep, We've got now? a bit of that. Yeah, yeah go, you go. I love the gossip. You throw it in there. What are you looking at? Okay, now we'll just, just wait. Just stick around. We'll, we'll do it uh, we'll do after that the break. In, okay, we will. So stick around on Box to Box. Next, stoppage time and uh, some juicy goss from the world of football. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage Geek. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. 
Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. The fourth official signals. There's seven minutes left with stoppage time, and Dino uh, Edge is uh, licking his chops because Mark's not here, and he always gets frustrated when we don't get into the juicy gossip. He's like a big woman, isn't he? He gets, well, we, his, he gets his new idea and his woman's day oh, every week. And, no, he does. And, and, you know. it's, it's, we're in the period, Rob. We've got to speak with uh, more reverence. It's a time of equality. <laughs> Hope you all voted yes. You cut in, or yes, of course, well, yes, I did. Um, but uh, but you cut in on me. I was just going to say the footy record or the big league. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Hey, we got some gossip here, and we don't often get enough time to really get into this juicy gossip. But I'm going to pick out one from the very top. A North Korean player at Perugia has been banned by his country's government from speaking to the media after matches. How about that? Imagine if uh, imagine if Malcolm Turnbull banned Aaron Moy from speaking after Huddersfield games. I mean, really. We know the North Koreans. Come on. Kim Jong-un, we understand uh, that the famous uh, despot who, who's been so eloquently uh, termed by Donald Trump, um, uh, Missile Man or Rocket Man or whatever it is, <laughs> he loves Rocket the Man, Premier League. Yeah. Rocket Man loves the Premier League. Don't ban your players from speaking after the mm. game. We need to get Dennis Rodman in there to sort this yeah, out. He's mates with Kim yeah. Jong-un, isn't he? Dennis, you know, is, Dennis the, is the yeah. diplomat. I mean, what about this other bit of gossip? I mean, we've we've gone <laughs> far and wide for the, for the gossip this year, uh, this week. Um, we've scoured all of the papers from the UK and the radio stations, and this is the best one. Crystal Palace are keen to sign free agent 33-year-old Carlton Cole. As none of their senior strikers are fit, and they are shit. So that is that That's is the family show edge. Oh, sorry, it is family show. But it's probably pretty true that their strikers aren't that great. But Carton Cole, 33 years of age, free agent. Well, they've got Benteke, haven't they? They've got oh, Christian's. Uh, I mean, he's not hit the ground running. I mean, I can still go back to that game where um, the manager lost his job and they, they've totally, totally outplayed. Honestly, they outplayed Burnley like you would not believe. They didn't get a result. They just didn't get a result, and it's it's as we say, it's football, isn't it? We reckon that our um, our media, you know, uh, we often talk about AFL and NRL from time to time. We understand how the media covers the year, but nobody covers international football like the English papers. No, they don't. And national football. Well, what about this story here? I, I like this one that a match in Romania's fifth tier had to be abandoned because all the available balls were kicked into a river. <laughs> well, that actually just brings it back home, doesn't it? It just takes you down a peg a little too from the, the things that we Well, cover. surely there was a kid in the uh, grandstand that could have nicked his, his uh, Adidas ball and uh, and kicked that around a bit. I mean, they'd have to abandon the game. You reckon they would have found one, wouldn't you? Oh, really? Oh, come on. Hey, what about the Manchester United manager, Jose Mourinho? or Jose, as some people call him, mm. uh, sent scouts to watch 29-year-old Roma midfielder Radija Nangolam. He is very, very good. So He was the boy, if you remember, with all the tats on his face yeah, and neck that played for Belgium well, in, the, in the Euros. But yeah. he's a good player. He does a really good job in that midfield. So uh, do you reckon the scouts just want a weekend in Rome? Go and look at this bloke. Have a weekend in Rome. A couple of pizzas. Oh, have your pasta. would that be? It wouldn't be bad, would it? Throw Piazza some, Navona, throw Spanish some, stairs. Throw some coins in the Trevi Fountain. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Go and visit the Pope at uh, Drop at into St. the Peter's. Colosseum. Yeah. Well, that's what I think all that's about. But anyway, mm-hmm. maybe not. Manchester United, Arsenal and Everton had scouts watching England under-20 forward Keenan Davis. Latest Aston in, Villa, yeah. Latest yes, impressive display for Aston Villa. The 19-year-old scored his second championship goal in Villa's 4-0 win at Burton. So that's interesting, but um, if I was that young fella, 
stay with Steve Bruce for just another year. Yeah, a little bit longer. Bang him in on a regular basis. All right, just... now I'm just going to sort of steer this into a bit more of a serious direction here. Okay. You know, this is this is not a lighthearted story. Now, Edge, um, we know you were you know um, up in the middle of the night celebrating Qatar's victory in the World Cup, but. But you know this oh. this migrant story does Tell not. You what, no, talk this, about taking a bit of license. How can I take you seriously after that? This migrant story doesn't go away. Um, the thousands of migrant workers in Qatar, including those building the stadiums, are being subjected to potentially life-threatening heat and humidity, according to a new research from Human Rights Watch. This is an article published in the Guardian. You would have thought that um, you know with the the eyes. They would of know the world in Qatar them. that in summer it's bloody hot. And building. Um, How could you cover them as well when they're in these big areas? How can you shade I mean, them? Well, they're from building it? stadiums and exposed. They're steel. on the out, aren't they? You know, yeah, they got to build them during the night. That's what they got to do. Night shift, brother. Mm. Pay them a bit more. They've got plenty over there. Oh yeah, well you know we, we know that, but uh, it just just I just get this awkward feeling that um that 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 you know despite the fact that the rest of the world knows what's going on, that no one's doing anything about it. I, I just. I'm sorry, I just don't get it. No, I don't either. And I think well, the know, world's not doing a lot about Syria. It's not doing a lot about. Uh... Yeah, but that's a war zone, you know. Qatar's, a, you know, meant to be a peaceful country, you know, and they've got one of the biggest events in, uh, you know, in 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 you know, modern existence, you know. Not explaining that very well, but you take my point, and um, you know, and they just uh, can't look after the. Uh, no, you know, it's the poor. Force. I suppose on a lighter note, though, I, I like this little story here. This is uh, Manchester United, it's obviously. Two of the bigger clubs in 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 Britain are amongst clubs tracking MK Don's 16-year-old striker Dylan Asagongane. Now, never heard of him, but the fact is that they've got the scouts out and they're looking as far down as MK Don's. No disrespect to where they are; they're a good little outfit and done really well in recent years. But they're in the lower leagues of English football. But that's where sometimes some of the golden nuggets are. They're not all at the top pro mm. clubs and. And sometimes if, you know, James Meredith is a great example, went to Derby, didn't get a contract, then went into the system on loans, ended up at Bradford eventually, well, York, then Bradford, and now at Millwall. So it can be a long journey. Or well, maybe some of our A-League clubs need to look at the NPL clubs and well, take I a Well, I think lesson. that's exactly right. And I think this B-League, if it arrives sooner rather than later, that'll be another introduction to, to, to shorten the gap. All right. Well done, Dino. Well done, Edge. Cheerio, Mark. Get well. That is full-time on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game. We will be previewing the opening round of the A-League. We'll be talking about a big victory for the Socceroos before the home game against Syria. That's all next week on Box to Box.